Just a warning, this episode does include mentions of sexual violence and murder. If there are young ears around or if you find these things triggering, I encourage you to turn this off now. You know, a person does have to look after themselves and their families and all that stuff. But I think um, as important as that is, I think there's another thing that we skip an awful lot. I mean, that's looking after each other. This is Hector Black. If there was ever a sage that we needed right now, it's him. Of course, he would never say that because he's an abundantly humble man. I first heard about Hector on an episode of the podcast Radiolab. It was about how he forgave the man who murdered his daughter. It stopped me in my tracks. Then I heard him tell a story on The Moth, then an NPR piece. Little did I know that I would get to hang out with him on his property a couple of times. During this season of the pandemic, I've been thinking to myself a lot, what would Hector do? Hector is 95 years old and lives on a hill next to a hollow near the Cumberland Plateau in Tennessee. His family runs a plant nursery there, just outside of Cookville. His property is vast, and it sits next to a series of waterfalls and caves. He almost always wears a pair of overalls and Crocs. His eyes are full of life, and to be near him is to slow down a little bit and enter into a different sort of time. He seems so himself, really more than anyone I've ever met. On a sunny day, several years ago, he sits down at a piano bench in his living room. His knotted fingers rest on the keys. They're covered in sunspots. Light rakes through a window onto them. What, 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 do you, what are you going to play? Well, I don't know. The one that's probably simplest is uh, a Bach prelude. It's one that... Uh, do you know the Ave Maria of Guno? Uh-huh. You know? Okay, that's, this is, yeah. And this is the, the, he heard this Bach prelude and that tune came out of it somehow. You can hear it. It's 2017. Hector's orchard at the bottom of the hollow is exactly in the path of a miracle. Something awe-inspiring and terrifying. And Hector invited me and my wife, Catherine, out to bear witness. Have you ever seen one of these before, Hector? Microphone, you mean? No, 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 no. A uh, eclipse. eclipse. (laughs) (laughs) I was telling telling David I saw a partial eclipse once, but it's nothing like, I mean, it was just like the tiny bite. It went across and gone again. It didn't, nothing like, not even half. It was just, you know, it wasn't all that much to see. As I, and this one should be quite awesome. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> I'm waiting. I know the birds are still singing, and I'm waiting to see what happens when it gets dark. Yeah. How, how long is the dark? feeling a little low energy, so 
he's going to stay up by the house. He's watching it through a pinhole um, projector and a piece of cardboard rigged up with a ladder and some twine. And, um, yeah, the darkness that covers us all. My wife is probably wondering where I am. <laughs> Bravo. That makes me so happy. That was so beautiful. I'm Jacob Lewis. And I'm Cariad Harmon. And you are listening to Neighbors, a show about what connects us. Through time Jacob spent watching a total solar eclipse in August of 2017 at Hector's property, Hector helps us understand what to do when we're hurting, and the world seems so overwhelmed by darkness. Today's story, How Long is the Dark? Hello! How are you? When I hug Hector, he smells like walnuts, and his hearing aids feed back. Man, I had quite a journey. It was uh, a lot of traffic. Yeah? I think, I don't know if it's the eclipse or what. Oh, it could be. They're expecting two million people coming to Nashville from outside. Wow, we have a few people coming out here. Yeah. But uh, only a few. Yeah. (laughs) I was introduced to Hector by a woman named Betsy in January of 2017. We drove out to his house together on gravel roads. A half a year later, Hector invited my wife and I to camp on his property and watched the eclipse there the next day. We brought our two dogs, camped in our car, and then hiked along a creek bed full of various-sized waterfalls as we awaited the eclipse, which would reach totality, where the sun is completely covered around 1.30 p.m. Uh, I'm kinda, it kind of freaks me out to be like in the middle of a hollow as the sun starts to get darkened. Like, like if it was really totality, I'm not sure we could see our way back. That's true. They say it's supposed to be like dusk or like a full moon night. And we could kind of see, but yeah. I don't really want to be trying to navigate a bunch of slippery rocks when it's dark. All right, let's move along. As the quality of light started to change, my body became tense. We had a long way to go out of the creek bed and back to the safety of our campsite. The coming darkness felt inescapable. I was furious and distraught. We loved her so much. Hector had an adopted daughter named Patricia. Twenty years ago, a man named Ivan broke into her home, raped, and murdered her. And I, I yelled out, I'll kill the bastard. Oh <laughs> my nonviolence went out the window. Hector is a Quaker a quiet, contemplative man. As I'm talking to him in his bedroom, he points to a picture on the wall. It's one of my favorite hymns that a friend of mine had painted a picture of, and 
at some of the words of the hymn. And I just had it framed, it was sitting on the floor, and I couldn't hang it because the words were, my loved ones rest securely from every peril, surely our God will guard their heads. And I just said, where was God? How could God allow such a thing to happen? I was just like I was living in a world of pain and hate, rage. And all I could see was our suffering. The morning of the eclipse, I woke up and walked Hector's property. There's a gravel road that goes down the side of the hollow from Hector's house to the edge of the orchard. As I was exploring, I looked up and realized Hector was sitting on a walker with a seat built into it on the road right in front of me. He had a big straw hat on and was completely silent, just looking around, enjoying the birds, not aware I was watching. He's one of the gentlest souls I've ever encountered, which is saying a lot seeing all that he's experienced. As a teenager, he was in World War II. Remember, he's 95. He didn't like what he saw in the war and has devoted his life ever since to finding a better way to relate as human beings. When he got back, he went to Harvard, where he could be found planting flowers in the quad. As a young man, he traveled to Israel and South America and lived in various Christian communes. He met his wife Susie at the Catholic Worker, founded by Dorothy Day. Its active care, agrarian focus, and pacifist principles were a perfect fit. Hector became a Quaker and would attend meetings and sit in silence with others. He moved to Atlanta during the Civil Rights Movement. His kids carpooled with Dr. King's kids to school. Hector's white, and it took a while for the Black Panthers who patrolled the neighborhood to warm up to him. They drove around in a car with a loudspeaker blasting, What has your white devil done for you today? Eventually, they gave in to this white devil's quiet presence. Together, Susie and Hector raised a girl from their Atlanta neighborhood named Patricia. She became a librarian. And unfortunately, you know the rest of the story here. At age 70, Hector divulged a secret to Susie that he had been carrying his whole life. He sat her down and told her he was gay. They stayed together, and Hector lovingly cared for her until her death. Much earlier in his life as a young man, one of the communes he was at gave him hormones to try and take away his homosexual urges. But at the time of the eclipse, he regularly went to a gay commune at a place called Short Mountain. He's seen a lot in his life, but he's never seen a total solar eclipse. I feel like I'm going to get a really weird sunburn on my face <laughs> from <laughs> holding these lenses in place and staring straight at the sun. I feel like it's going the wrong way. Like... The sun is getting less covered. We should call NASA. NASA, the moon's moving backwards. All right, I'm going to look. Here, would you hold the mic for me? Uh-huh. That's freaking me out. It looks like an eyeball. Like, that's it. Like, the, um, where it's getting covered is like the, the, 
what do you call that? It's not the pupil, the other thing. The iris? Uh, yeah, it's like that's the, the iris. iris. Yeah. Alright, this is what the bugs sound like at about halfway. Feels like it's starting to cool down a little bit. I'm seeing a lot of butterflies. I don't know, that's just butterflies being butterflies. And then this is what the um, bugs sound like. It's not dark, but it's starting to get a little, I don't know, it feels like almost like a slightly overcast day or something. This is a where was God, how could God allow such a thing to happen? And so I don't have any answer to my question. I remember reading that in the concentration camp, when someone tried to escape, they would hang them and they'd bring all the other prisoners out to watch the hanging. And somebody in the group of prisoners looked and it was a young person because they were so light, they didn't die right away. They weren't heavy or skinny. And somebody said, where is God? And somebody else said, there is God. And that's, that's the only thing I have. Yeah, it's getting a little bit more silvery. Just a little sliver and it is like Oh, it's like gray out here. And then I found out about his life. And that helped. Oh my gosh. There it goes. Learning that his mother tried to drown him when he's about 11 years old and drowned his sister in front of him. And that he felt relief because she wouldn't be tortured anymore. Things like that, frightful things happened to him as a child that never happened to any child. And you know, in the, the richest country the world has ever known had nobody for this little African-American child. Oh my goodness. Listen to that, look it up at it real one more time. I knew that hating and revenge are, are, as somebody told me or I read somewhere, you take poison and expect the other person to die. And I, I just was not ready to poison myself with it. I knew it would, I felt it, what it was doing to me. And I didn't want it. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. I am. Wow. I hear people hollering. 
Oh my gosh. Come here. We got fireworks and a scared dog. Come here. Come here. Come on, bud. Come on. Come on. Come here. Our dog is freaked out. In an ominous silver darkness, with fireworks echoing through the valley, the birds stop singing as the bugs got louder. I said in the courtroom, you know, that I... I don't hate you, Ivan Simpson, and that, you know, that he was standing there, and I, but I hate... I hate with all my soul what you did to my daughter. And I also said, I wish for all of us who have been so wounded by this crime that we might find God's peace. And I wish that also for you, Ivan Simpson. And I looked over at him, and the tears were streaming down his cheeks, and I looked into his eyes for the first time, and it was really, I had no other words, but it was like a soul in hell. I've never had a look like that before in my life or since. He came up to the microphone and twice with the tears streaming down his cheek, he said, I'm so sorry for the pain I've caused. I'm so sorry for the pain I've caused. And I finally could see that I'm just a tiny part. Wow. I can't, I can't believe it. I think it's a little lighter than I thought it would be. It's starting to come back, I think. We're just looking at the sun. Oh, here it comes back. Hector wrote Ivan a letter. Ivan wrote him back telling him about that night, the night he murdered Patricia. Hector replied, and over the years and through a lot of inner work, the letters got lighter. Hector and Susie went to the prison and eventually hugged Ivan. They started to give each other Christmas presents. He, he wrote a really his sweet, kind letter uh, when Susie died. And they helped me deal with it. Now the pale sunlight is returning. Wow. I tell you what, if I lived like 4,000 years ago and saw that. The terror that I would feel would make my head explode. Indiana Jones face melt. Be that meme. 
I just want to ask you, what did you think of that? Tell, tell me about your experience. Oh, heavens. Right, I know I had a lot of different thoughts. I thought of how frightening that would have been if we didn't know what what was going on. And uh, I thought of the power a person could have over people, knowing what was going to happen and predicting it and telling them. It's a frightening event. To see the, the sun disappear, you know, it'd be... <laughs> events like that are, are just so beyond my comprehension and it's just so out there that I, I just have a hard time um, I know, me too yeah <laughs> well I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one <laughs> covers the sun, in theory, I know that it won't last forever. But when it happened, I thought, maybe it will be dark like this always now. I was vulnerable, having taken something so fundamental to my existence for granted. The sun. And then the light returned. I called Hector this week asked him if he had any advice for people during the pandemic. His hearing aids weren't working right, so he was having trouble hearing. But he said, I just think it opens a door for us into a different way of looking at one another in the world, and our place in it also. I hope anyway that it would be a humbling experience, both for us as a nation and as a species. All right, a quick break, then we will check in on our neighbors. Welcome back. So we asked you to call in and tell us one thing that's difficult right now and also one thing that you're grateful for. So, Jacob, how would you answer those questions? One thing that's difficult is that earlier this week our sewer backed up and we oh, had to get a no. new sewer drain in our backyard. It's 5500 bucks, so that sucks. Oh, dude, I'm so sorry. But I'm grateful for the fact that I have work and we can actually pay yes. for that. And also... Just one more grateful thing. My son is just like a baller. He's 11 months old, and every day he's able to do something new. Like, he's evolving. <laughs> it's pretty cool. What about you? Let's see. Uh, one thing that is difficult for me right now is being so far away from home. Mm. It's a strange thing to say because, of course, America is my home too, but I've been really feeling homesick for England. And I worry about my grandparents and yeah. I just wish I was closer, even though I couldn't see them, even if I was in London, but it would just feel a little bit better to me. Um, and I'm grateful for a lot of things. I am really grateful that I like being in my house and that my partner and I get along so well. And yeah. I'm grateful for our crazy little dog. We have a cute <laughs> little family here and uh, that means a lot. Yeah, that is great. Um, all right, so that is us. Now let's go check in on our neighbors. Something that is difficult and something that I'm grateful for in this time of quarantine 
happens to be the same thing, and it is time with kids. In one hand, uh, all of this extra time has been amazing. There are days that just feel like a dream in this whole uh, season of our lives. Uh, feels like just one of the most cherished gifts that we could be given. But on the other hand, it's really difficult um, being able to have any type of structure or routine or get any work done. Um, yesterday, we took the training wheels off of our five-year-old's bike and he learned to ride without training wheels and it was an incredible thing. But now... All he wants to do is ride his bike. And it's hard for him uh, to understand that mommy and daddy have other things that we need to be doing. And we can't constantly go on bike rides at six in the morning <laughs> like he tried to do this morning. So we've lived in our house for several years and we've always loved to take walks around our neighborhood. Isn't that right, buddy? Yeah. Do it. What do you like about walks? I love... Don't you ice cream plays sometimes? Oh, yeah, that's good to have a destination type of walk. Yeah, what else? I like seeing trains on the tracks. Yeah, that's a good thing to see. This is James and Nikki from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it's been hard not being able to plan for the future, um, and I'm grateful for being able to get better at cooking, or I think I'm getting better. And this is Nikki. I think one thing that's been hard for me is not having the usual kind of walls and structure around my workday. And so having to implement um, my own boundaries and systems in regards to work has been a little bit of a challenge, but it seems to be taking shape. And I think the thing that is bringing me a lot of joy is um, we're getting to work in the yard and plant trees and plant flowers and cut our own grass and put up lights, um, build a chicken coop or, or actually edit with, a chicken coop. Them, yeah. <laughs> um, and even just being able to plan for something small like chickens, something that we have to tend to and will hopefully live on um, past this period is bringing me hope. And also just knowing that people that I love, um, even though I can't be around them, are not too far away, and that brings a lot of joy to me and a lot of goodness. So, yeah, that's something that's giving me uh, some hope these days. <laughs> uh, I personally have not touched or hugged another human being since March 23rd, um, and that is remarkably difficult. I have never gone this long without uh, human contact and I am bouncing off the walls. However, I am also safe at home and I'm not doing anything to put anyone else at danger. Um, it's April 27th and COVID got real close today. A very, very dear friend of mine, his father, we've been watching him fight and um, they zoomed in to say goodbye to him this morning. And it's awful because I can't do any of the things that you want to do. You want to reach out, you want to hug someone, you want to be there for them. But instead, we're all separated into zero rooms and um, I'm stuck at home. And, you know, they're trying to travel across states to get there for the services. And it's just absolutely devastating. Um, if any of you guys can stay home, please do. Like, like people's lives are at risk and are dying right now um, that you know. Hey neighbors, this is Scott checking in from the west side of town. And one thing that's difficult for me right now 
is that my 83-year-old mom is COVID positive in the VA hospital in Paramus, New Jersey that's been in the national news. So we've had a lot of anxiety around that. It's hard to get information out of there right now. We're hopeful that she's going to kick it, but she's not out of the woods and every day has been a little bit up and down. Something I'm grateful for, strangely enough, is technology. I'm not always grateful for technology because it takes me out of being a good human sometimes, I think. But the ability to see friends and family on these video meeting sites has been incredibly uplifting and has made me actually happy <laughs> a lot of days. Uh, I like going to our house because I love my house. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's been, uh, it's been a good thing uh, the last few weeks. We've always spent a lot of time in our house. That's it from here. Sending out hope and love. Hope to be back in community soon. Just stay home. If you want to call in and share how you're doing, please do. You can record a voice memo on your phone and email it to neighborspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call 615-601-1411 and just leave a message. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our patrons on Patreon are the most thoughtful and generous people around. Fight me on it. If you'd like to join their ranks and become a member of the neighborhood, go to patreon.com slash neighbors. You get an ad-free version of the show, access to lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. I also want to add one more thing here. We don't do a ton of marketing of the show, so we really depend on word of mouth. If you have listened to more than three episodes of Neighbors, will you picture one person in your life who you think would like it? You got them in your head. Now, will you share Neighbors with them the next time you think of it? Yes, it would go a long way. Our community grows neighbor by neighbor, and we love quality over quantity. Our sonic logo is from Dallas Taylor at DeFacto Sound. I highly recommend you check out his podcast about sound, famous sounds, the stories behind sounds. It's called 20,000 Hertz, and it's so good. Neighbors is hosted and produced by me. And me. Music is from the Blue Dot Sessions, and this song is from Dan Burns. I'm Jacob Lewis. And I'm Carrie Ad Harmon. And we're reminding you to, to get, get to, to know, know your, your neighbors. Neighbors? neighbors?